You're listening to Storytime for Travellers, where adventurers share their craziest travel moments. Hello, everyone. On today's episode of Storytime for Travellers, I have an amazing guest. It's the lovely Gialdo Muller. And he's not only travelled to loads of places around the world, but he's also lived in lots of different countries. He's currently living and chatting to me from Warsaw in Poland, but he's also lived in the Netherlands, London and Montreal. Like me, he's a pretty spontaneous traveller, which is where all good stories come from, of course. So it's no surprise that he has lots of stories to tell. In our conversation, we chat running out of cash at a border crossing, the best coffee he's ever tried, and how long hikes can sometimes change your perspective. Enjoy. Hi, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me too. Awesome. Now, you've done loads of traveling and I think you're like me in the fact that you travel yeah. quite spontaneously. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually very true. Like, I just like hopping to go somewhere and even recently I just spontaneously moved to Warsaw. So, spontaneity is my jam, I'd say. <laughs> that's definitely spontaneous. <laughs> and I think the more spontaneous you are, the more stories that you get. So, have yeah. you got a story about something spontaneous that you've done and it's led you to like an interesting situation or a weird situation? You know, yeah, I think definitely there's one story that kind of led us through some kind of weird situation before when we were actually traveling in Central America. Um, We actually went through Belize and when we arrived in Belize, we actually decided that, hmm, kind of expensive as a country. So we decided um, in the one morning to kind of just go to uh, Guatemala. So, but the funny thing was when we woke up in the morning, we just kind of took it easy because we thought, you know, we could just take a bus, it will, will take all time. And there's no rush into getting into Guatemala. And so, and specifically where we wanted to go to Flores, which was, so we thought about, you know, six to eight hours away. And so while we were traveling on the bus through Belize, we started to realize that, okay, like it's getting later on in the day. Like we didn't anticipate how later on in the day it would be. (laughs) And then we thought that, you know, the bus that we're going to take is actually going to take us all the way to the border with Belize and Guatemala. But little did we know, um, the bus took us to this sort of like a last border town, a pretty small town. And we also knew that we had to go to an ATM to get some cash out because there's an exit fee for Belize. And I think at the time, I'm not sure, I think the exit fee was maybe maybe around $55 per person. And as we were in the town, uh, we found this ATM and it was literally only ATM. And it was so funny because it was already around, you know, like 5 p.m., you know, sun is about to set. And we're like, okay, guys, we should like probably start rushing to go to this border. Yeah. Um, and we started, we went to this ATM and I tried using my card and guess what? It didn't accept my card. I'm like, okay, okay, well, no biggie. Uh, it was the three of us, so surely, you know, the other two could easily get some cash out. Um, and then they tried as well, and guess what? Didn't work for them either. So we're like, wow. We were thinking, sure, what do we do now? Oh, you know, no. Do we, you know, like, 
we're kind of in a pickle. Um, sun is about to set. We can't stay in this village town. Like either option would be, you know, we take the bus back somehow to another previous village and hopefully use an ATM there. Or we decided to kind of risk it. And because my assumption was surely if you have to pay at the border, um, you can, there surely should have an ATM there. So that was kind of the logic behind it. And so it started kind of the mini adventure of um, deciding if we're going to take a taxi. And then we actually flagged down a taxi and the dude was like, oh, you guys are tourists. We're going to charge you $15 in total. And we thought, mm, you know what, we actually need this money to be able to cross the border, just kind of see, just in case. So we decided to walk it. And the funny thing was we were like casually walking out, out of this village. And then we realized it was actually like a four kilometer walk. So like, I don't know, a close 45 minutes to an hour walking. And by then the sun was setting already. And what we didn't anticipate was that after the village, there's absolutely nothing. There's just wilderness. There's just like... Um, fields with trees and it was getting darker and then that's at the point that I started to realize hey this is kind of sketchy what we're doing you know it's, it's already getting dark um, uh, and then there was literally no one on the road you would see an occasional taxi passing by honking at us um, and my friends were trying like not to like freak out too much and I was trying to keep my cool as well so eventually we did get to the sort of the border um, it was nighttime already and we were like walking in and we thought, right, where is there an ATM? And then the lady at the desk told us, nope, there is no ATM. The only ATM would be in the town. You just came past by. So we're like, okay, now we're kind of in a pickle. And so we sat together and we kind of pulled, like opened our wallets and tried to see like, okay, what do we have? So we had, um, I think about 20, 30 euros in, in bills between us. And we also had some American dollars and there was dude, a dude was sitting in a corner on a computer swivel chair and you could see like, okay, this dude is the exchange man. And so we went up, I went up to this dude and I asked him, you know, like with the back of my mind, I knew it's gonna, he's gonna probably overcharge us, you know, commission and everything. And I asked him, okay, man, like if we wanted to exchange this, you know, how, how much would it be? And of course he overcharged us. And so I went back to my friends and I was like, you know, like it is this amount, it's not good, you know, we'll still fall short. And that's when you kind of panic starts to set in, like how are we gonna cross the border? It's already nighttime, you know, we cannot take a taxi to go back. We have to go back at least to another village. And then I was like, wait a second. Like, I think I remember even having 10 pounds or like 10, 15 pounds in my wallet. So I dug it out somehow. And then we, I went back to this dude and I said, all right, so I understand you're trying to make a business and you need to make your money somehow. Um, we have euros, will you accept that? Like, yeah, okay, so let's make a deal. How about we make this deal where, um, you know, you accept this for a specific price that is kind of a win-win for both of us, but then also, you know, accept the, the 10, 15 pounds as well. And he was saying, oh my man, you know, I can't take that because he would have to like, it will cost him extra hassle. He has to go to another town. And so it will be just a little bit too much of a hassle for him. But, you know, after some, you know, like actually some charming and be like, come on, man, please, you know, just know you're helping out some travelers trying to cross this border. The charm always and works. <laughs> you have to turn yeah, on exactly. the charm like in these just, situations. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was like the, the charm, I think, was the, the most difficult thing, because in that situation, you're stressed. You know, it's nighttime. You're in an unfamiliar territory. Um, and inside I was actually, I was losing it and, but I had to keep my cool. I had to like 
be calm and try to be confident about this because the moment the dude could see, like if I was really desperate, he could totally, you know, kind of be like, you know, man, I can charge you whatever I want because I know you're going to need this money anyway. Yeah, exactly. And so in the end, he just, he just like after some persuading and using my charm a little bit, he actually said like, you know what, you know, like you're, you're a tough guy to bargain with, but you know, I'll, I'll help you guys out. So he actually helped us out. Um, and we thought like, oh, all is done and dusted. You know, we're just going to walk over this border. Surely there's going to be a bus to go to Flores. And when we cross the border and immediately you have like a bunch of kids come like running around you, all shouting in Spanish, like, come take my taxi, you know, take my taxi and this taxi is better and so on. And so we were immediately bombarded with people kind of feeling overwhelmed. Um, we didn't know what the prices were to take a taxi. And then we were asking the officials, like, is there any bus? And, the, and then the man was saying, you know, it's already like 8 p.m. There are no buses. You have to take a taxi. And so we were kind of like in the situation, like, what are we going to do? Like, we cannot pay uh, 400 quetzales to go to Flores. Like, I, I don't even remember how much 400 quetzales were. Mm. But so we were kind of like thinking in our heads, like, okay, what are we going to do? The only way we're actually going to get there is if we actually bargain again. And so this kid, I was asking this kid, like, okay, how much is he charging? And he said that because the, basically the kids work for the taxi drivers. Um, and then they try to get, you know, the tourists to go into specific taxis. And so yeah, he was saying like, okay, rip you off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's kind of like a, it's, it's an interesting situation, but if it was during the day, you know, mid midday and not at 8 PM, it would have been fine. I would have been like, okay, this is all jokey, jokey. I could totally roll with this. Yeah. You but, can deal you know, with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, by then it was already that we've been, you know, walking for, you know, like a long time. And then we just got to the border. We finally managed to go over the border. And then we had another situation to deal with. Yeah. And so how did you deal with it? How did you get there in the end? We actually, it was a funny story because we, when I asked the taxi driver, like, how much are you charging? And he said 400. I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to do it. We're going to walk over this bridge and we're going to go over the other side and then we're going to figure it out. And the dude was like, are you crazy? You can't, you can't just walk over the bridge and get to the other side. Like you have to take a car. I'm like, dude, like I'm not going to pay 400. So I'm clearly going to walk. And so we were like walking and the taxi was like hovering next to us. And then the two kids were like walking behind us. And then I was to the kid, like make a good deal with this guy. Otherwise we're not taking the taxi. And it's like, okay, okay. So he goes over to the guy and we're continuing walking. And the taxi driver like pulls up next to us again. And it's like, all right, I can only do like 300. I'm like, do you see these legs? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to continue walking. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was like, a, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Like we really had to be it's tough. It's a game. There, um, it's a proper situation. game. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was actually like, it worked out to our benefit in some way, because eventually after 20 minutes, um, the, the tax drive actually said, okay, you know, he'll keep it at 200, which in some way I, I still remember it being overpriced, but we thought, you know, it's going to be a two hour taxi drive. Um, yeah, and exactly. you know, it's, it's in this situation, we, we don't have any other option. And yeah. so um, it's funny how money kind of changes its meaning. So like you were saying it was dark and you were like, oh, we'll walk for an hour instead of getting a taxi for like $15 in the UK. You'd be like, oh my God, it's so worth it. Just get in the taxi when yeah. you're traveling and you're on a budget. You're like, absolutely not like every penny counts. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's especially when you're on a budget of, you know, 20, 30 euros per day. 
And so even like the $15, granted that, you know, if it was 15 euros and it's just like five for each, that is still something out of your pocket, especially if you've been already traveling the entire day. So, of course, we were trying to be, as you say, like very conservative, like every little bit counted. Um, and of course, there's like a, a sort of like a balance between that, because, of course, we don't want to rip off the tax rate, but we also don't want to be ripped off ourselves. And so, like, at some points, we actually did get into the taxi, but then it's, it's like also that situation. It was quite scary because it was, you know, it's like pretty dark um, yeah. and we we're in the middle of nowhere on the border. And it would still have taken two hours to get to this one little city, Flores. And as we were driving, we were in this car and I thought to myself, you're looking outside, there are like no street lamps, nothing. Um, it's just pure darkness outside. Uh, we're driving this car, this beat up old taxi car with this man who we just bargained, you know, with. And I thought to myself, you know, this still feels a bit sketchy. Like, I don't yeah, know how this could end up. It's kind of shady. But then sometimes you just have to go with things. Like, I've had that yeah. situation before, actually, where I've been, um, like, on my own trying to find a taxi in the middle of the night. And it's like, mm -hmm. you just have to pay more sometimes. And it's horrible because I'm yeah. that person who barters for everything. Like, I hate being overcharged. Yeah. And as a tourist, <laughs> they always overcharge you. But I've had things where I've been, like, dropped off a bus like in an overnight bus they drop me off at three in the morning and I thought they'd drop me in the city but they've dropped me like outside the city and then oh, you're yeah. like I can't stay here I'm at a bus stop like on the side of this yeah. busy road and there's all these taxis and it's like three in the morning and they're shouting at you going like pick me pick me get here and then they're like motorbike taxi <laughs> motorbike taxi and I'm like no yeah. I'm on my own with my backpack <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's like the it's one of the situations you feel the most vulnerable because it's like they have the upper hand in some way because uh, they know you're going to take one of those taxis in any way, shape or form. And they know you're going to pay and then you will be even willing to pay a little bit more, just kind of feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So we've spoken about like meeting people who maybe aren't being the nicest. <laughs> people trying to yeah. rip you off as a tourist. <laughs> have you yeah. had experience meeting people abroad who have been a bit more interesting, a bit more kind of kind and open? Yeah, well, we definitely did meet this one man in Colombia. Um, and then I think it was in this town, Salento, which is like one of those coffee regions. And it was like after an entire day of hiking, uh, we decided to walk to one of the, the coffee farms and you know there's a bunch of them all bundled up together so the question was like which one do we choose you know um, we weren't necessarily picky or we didn't even know what we were looking for but we were just looking I guess like what every traveler looks for something authentic instead of like something a big corporation and so eventually we kind of walked upon this one farm that you know like even the entire avenue was just lined with like banana trees and you could see at the end of it like this little house and we decided to walk walk to it and when we arrived there was this like this um this old man he was sitting there and we asked him like oh do you do any coffee tours like yes i do he happened to do it and so he kind of took us on this really nice calm tour of his coffee farm and he was telling us how when he was 12, he already started working on a coffee farm and he's been working there. And this man was at this point, I think it was just under 70 or something. And he said he's been working all his life on a coffee farm. And then specifically that after the age of 25 that he bought um, this specific land that we were walking on. 
And it was just like, it, it was such an intriguing man because he was so friendly, but at the same time, he was like, I want you to ask me more questions. Like he, he was like, if I ask him one question, then no, I want you to ask me more questions. And so like, you're constantly like thinking, okay, what can I ask him now? What can I ask him again? And so he kind of showed us like this tour of how he grows his beans and how he does it organically. And after that, he showed us how he would sit down to roast it or like actually dry it out and then roast it. And he took a handful of coffee beans and he started like, like I'm going to make you guys a cup of coffee. And it, it might be one of the best ones you ever have. And so I thought to myself, you know, you think back in London, how do you make coffee in London, especially if you have like just like a, uh, a black filter coffee, you know, you, you have to wet the paper first and then it has to be a specific temperature and you have to like, you know, let it sit. Everything is like a process of how it is in London to really get that exquisite taste. And then so when I saw this man just grabbing a handful of beans and then putting it through the grinder and then just taking the, the ground coffee, putting it in a pot with some water and then cooking it. And then after like just nonchalantly, he was doing all of this and with no expression, just like calmly. And then after that, he poured it into a few cups and it's like, yeah, just try it. Like, it probably would be good. I'm like, ah, you know, like, I know how things are in London. Like, surely this is going to be okay. And then when I had that cup of coffee, it was, you know, it was one of the, the I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe one of the situations when you're at a vineyard, the wine tastes better. Like, surely this was the same thing, but I've never had a cup of coffee quite like that. And especially in the way the man made it. And then I think Shirley was as well, you know, just an enhancement of hearing this man's story of, you know, like how he just grew up on this field, um, how he's lived here for almost all his life and how he just wanted us to, you know, like to ask him the right questions. And, and I don't know, that all of it was just so fascinating to us. And it was just such a humble man. And he didn't say things because he needed to fill in the air with conversation. He just said things if they were important. And then the rest of the time, he would just like stare in the distance and be quiet. And it was just, it was, it felt quite surreal. It's just, it felt sort of like, how did we randomly end up at this specific coffee farm? So yeah, that, that definitely was like one of my highlights of Colombia, for sure. Yeah, that's such an authentic experience. And I think that's it's quite magical when you don't go on like an organized tour, but you kind of bump into someone and you're like, well, will you give me a tour? <laughs> and they end yeah. up to be someone amazing and they tell you all this amazing stuff. And you're so right about things tasting better depending where you are. That's They've actually done research yeah. into that. But I think after having that experience and seeing the coffee being made, learning about it and then having him make yeah. it for you, things taste 100 times better. Especially wine. I've had that on a vineyard before. <laughs> ah, so you know as well what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, on the Storytime for Travelers podcast, we ask all of our guests to tell us about a pinch me moment. So a pinch me moment is a moment where it's just like a tiny split second where you're traveling and you look around and you just think, wow. So could you tell yeah. us about one of your pinch me moments on a trip? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... It's like this one story when we were in Ecuador and there's this one three-day hike. It's called the Kilotoa Loop. And it was kind of like something that we never attempted before. Sort of a hike that takes three days. You walk from, you know, you start from a village, you walk to another village and you stay at like a hostel. And then you keep walking. And then on the last day, 
is where you end up, you have to like hike up for like five hours to get to this top of this inactive volcano that's like a massive sort of like a crater. And it's just like filled, it's just like a massive lake inside of it. And then that was one of those moments where we're standing at the top on the ridge of this inactive volcano and you're like looking into, you know, into this massive lake. And it just like, it made me think like, wow, you know, think of it where we are. Think of the people that we just hiked up here with. And this took us three days. I would have, you know, I would have never before think that I could actually just, you know, walk for three days straight just with some friends and people that you meet along the way. And it just makes you feel really grateful for, you know, like something so small, you know, we just had some fruits in our backpack. We had some sandwiches, nothing crazy, um, just had some water. And it's just like, you're standing there. Everybody's like just chatting away about, you know, you're not talking away about, you know, problems in life or anything. You're just enjoying that moment. And it was just breathtaking and absolutely beautiful. I, yeah, that's definitely one of the, one of the things I, I think back and I'm like, wow, yeah, we actually did that. That was amazing. That sounds like such a magical moment. I think hiking and just being in nature does that. Lots of these, lots of people when they talk about pinch me moments seem to talk about being in nature and just being like, I can't believe that we live on this earth yeah. and that we're surrounded by all this beauty, especially when you've been hiking in that environment for such a long time I think that's really magical mm. um now before yeah. we go we haven't got long left I wanted to ask you about living abroad so you've last year you moved to Warsaw in Poland yeah um what's your experience of living in a completely new country been like because I think a lot of people travel but living somewhere new is a completely different experience yeah I think for me it's I see it from a different perspective, but I think it's only because of my upbringing. So growing up in Aruba, small island of 30 kilometers, I've, when I was a teenager, I always had this idea, I really wanted to move away. I really wanted to live somewhere else. So when I was 18 and I actually got the chance to move away to the Netherlands and it just kind of like opened all the doors. Like I lived in the Netherlands for five years, then moved to Canada for a year and then lived in London for another five years. And then only recently now, I met uh, my current girlfriend last summer, and she's from Warsaw herself. And then so we, I started traveling up and down, and I decided, you know what, I, I've been curious for a while now to live in, in Warsaw. I always wondered what it must be like. And so I just, one day I just took the plunge. Um, you know, I quit my job, um, bought a one-way ticket, and then just kind of, you know, stayed here ever since. And... It's in terms of living, of course, it's a little bit more difficult because sometimes you do have a language barrier, um, especially Polish. It's one of the most hardest or difficult language that I've ever heard or tried to speak. And the culture itself is, is not vastly different, but there are different ways of things that are done here that kind of makes you think, huh, that's interesting how you do it. Um, but you know, overall, what I love about it is because, you know, when you travel, you always think you want to integrate, you want to see things from the locals perspective, but when you travel and you're in a place for, you know, like let's say in a country for a month, you kind of get the taste of that. But, and then what I didn't realize was that moving to Poland now, it actually gave me exactly what I wanted in terms of that, like to actually be able to see things through a local's eyes, just to 
be able to understand the culture, the language, and how people do things here. And so I actually kind of indirectly got what I always wanted from traveling, which is to um, really be like feel part of like the local community in a way. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience um, actually living somewhere and experiencing their culture in that way than just being a tourist there. So in all of the places that you've lived, what do you think yeah. is your favorite place? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, that's a really good question. I think, I mean, first of all, I think for me, London is definitely still one of my favorite places. It's London just has everything, it has the multiculturalism. Um, and what I love about London is that every neighborhood is like its own country. You know, you you stay down in Brixton and it's Jamaican, Caribbean, um, has some Lat Latino vibes. And I just love that every corner of London is just a different culture or a different bit of history. And so it's, it's like to me, it was when I lived there, if I wanted to go to a different country in some way, I would just travel to a different neighborhood. And that's what I found the most beautiful of all. Like there, there isn't a place like any other place like London. Um, and yeah, and it, it kind of feels like you're, you're always traveling in London. That's what I love about it. for sure. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly the reason that I love living in <laughs> London because you can just yeah. walk for five minutes and the whole atmosphere changes. There's like a completely different vibe in each area. So I always say to people, if you come to London and you don't like it, like go somewhere else. There is a London for everyone. There is a little exactly, pocket of yeah. London that you will love. <laughs> it's huge and it's so different. Right. It's been amazing to have you on the podcast. We're going to have to wrap it up here because we're running out of time. Yeah, thank you. Thank but you for yeah, having me. Thank you so much. That was amazing to hear all your stories. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I think it's really great what you're doing. Um, and I'm really curious to hear some more about the other travelers that you've spoken to as well. I hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Gialdo. If you want to follow his travels, you can find him on Instagram at Mulla where he posts great photography. And talking of Instagram, we would love for you to connect with us at Storytime for Travellers and let us know what you think of the podcast. So get in touch and leave a review. Next week, I'll be chatting to another incredible traveller on the podcast and I can't wait for you to hear it.